This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The following is a sponsored program. Zoomer Radio and MZ Media Incorporated do not endorse any of the statements or opinions made by the contributors. One thing that yoga does really well is support the muscles around the spine, which is where, you know, our central nervous system is. And so core is one of those. Our core helps protect and support our spine. Hip stabilizer muscles is another one. It helps counteract the effects of sitting, and so it really can help contract the back slightly, round our shoulders back, lengthen our spine. Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Busson, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness. On today's show, we'll discuss the natural treatment of pain and inflammation. We'll find out about foods that help you sleep. We'll also jump into the fluoridation debate. And lastly, we'll learn about yoga for athletes. But first, a little bit of business. It's new. It's powerful. It's the next generation. It's Purica Recovery 3.0, a new formulation for inflammation relief and healing that brings together the strength of the original Purica Recovery with the rapid relief of Purica Curcumin 30% BDMC. It's a powerful antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, and immunity optimizer all in one. It works by repairing the damage and relieving the stress that's at the root cause of pain. It's Purica Recovery 3.0, and it's coming soon from Purica. For more information, visit Purica.com. Our first guest today is Jason Watkin, the co-founder, CEO, and chief formulator of Purica, a passionate speaker skilled at reaching his audience by simplifying complex and sometimes confusing information. Jason breaks through the clutter of a field of holistic nutrition. He presents powerful strategies to manage existing conditions and improve overall wellness through the principles of psychology, microbiology, biochemistry, and natural, oriental, and allopathic medicine. Welcome to The Tonic, sir. How are you? Very good. How are you doing yourself? I'm doing great. I understand there's uh, some celebrations in order. 20 years as a Canadian-owned and operated company. How do you account for your success in in such a a rough field? I think for us it's simple as that it's about results, number one. You have to feel it. And then uh, number two, we call it coopetition instead of feeling like we're competing against all of the other companies, just getting along and expanding the industry. So I think we've got a lot of mutual respect going on there. But results are definitely key. Yeah, I've been working with Purica for many years and, you know, I've been publishing the magazine for many years and and I know that the brand is, is very much respected in the field. Thank you. So today we're going to talk about some pain and inflammation, which I experience and regular listeners know that, you know, I exercise quite a bit and I put my body through a lot of stress. And at my age, there's a lot of inflammation. So inflammation is heard to be the root of a lot of conditions. How did you decide on what you'd be focusing in on in terms of the product that you make? I think many years ago, looking at inflammation before it was accepted as the key in, in mainstream medicine, as underpinning a lot of the degenerative conditions, if not all of them, looked at inflammation doesn't just come from nowhere. Something else is preceding it, and that's either damage or disruption. So we're trying to go even deeper than inflammation to get at the inflammation to get at the condition. So the, the deepest you can go that I feel is getting at what underpins even damage and disruption which is physical or psychological stress and or psychological stress, I should say. Oh, 
Well, that's interesting. I, I I haven't heard of that approach. So what you're talking about is is sort of the reason why we sort of do damage to our body is that you know we're stressed out and and we're is it that we're not paying attention when we're putting the stress on our body or is that it's just adding to the stress? There's a couple of things. Is whenever you're stressed, it's I mean, physical stress is obviously mechanical damage, things like that. Yeah. Your body is responding to the stress. And if you're psychologically responding with, say, irritation, or you feel really tense all the time, or you're worried, things like that, those are fight or flight response. Yep. And your body starts to break itself down for fuel to fight or run, and it inhibits the immune system, digestion, uh, proper healing. So it's actually uh, making the inflammation much worse than it could be. And it's also driving the pain response. A lot of the pain we feel when we're injured, and I know I've had chronic pain in the back and in the digestive tract, is to do with the psychological almost spasm around the pain, which makes it much worse. They say it's as much as 90% of pain in, in typical actual physical pain conditions is to do with the psychological stress that's spasming around that pain. Huh. So if, if somebody has this inflammation or pain, what are some of the things that they could do to treat the inflammation outside of supplements, per se? Well, I think if we can get proper rest for healing, that's essential because that's what's going to quell the inflammation, also initiate the healing response. And that is something that a lot of us don't get anymore. We're distracted all the time. And even at nighttime, maybe with devices, you're up and down. So maybe toning down the device use at nighttime, proper rest. Obviously, different types of exercise that are more of a a fluid kind of motion, modifying your diet, things like that, and then just understanding your own stress level and then finding ways for yourself to unwind. And there's many different ways to do that and it's specific to each person. Well, what do you like to do to unwind? I think one thing is just an easy way, right? If you're caught right up in something right now, right here, I think to watch your breath. Because if your breath will tell you if you're in a stress response, your breath becomes much more shallow and rapid, and you can feel that. But just by actually looking at the breath, that's it. No, no different breath techniques. Just looking at the breath, it tends to slow down. And when you do that, it can slow down your heart rate, and it can lower your blood pressure just by looking at the breath. So, I mean, that's free. And if you're not breathing, you're probably not there. So, I mean... Yeah, exactly. So, so I, that sounds like a mindfulness technique. Are you, are you an advocate of mindfulness? Yeah, I mean, I studied many, many years in the Indo-Tibetan tradition after I did the standard sciences and pathophysiology pharmacology. So I feel that, that it is huge, just being mindful. Uh, but even if even people that think of that word and think I have to do much more than that, I have to be mindful of this, that, I'm just talking a simple technique to start is just to look at the breath. And then that can start you on, whoa, that feels different. Because when you can actually slow down the breath and get into that state, you're, you're pushing the, into the parasympathetic state more and more and more, and that's the restful state, the relaxed, clear-minded state that you feel when you're doing something you love and time doesn't seem to exist. You say, oh, oh, my God, four hours just went by? It, that's what that parasympathetic state. And much, many of us are, feel that we're almost never in that, and that's why we don't sleep very well and we don't feel rested or refreshed. So getting to that state, the parasympathetic state, rather than stressed or sympathetic state, is going to help you heal because that's the state that your body's most capable of the most effective youthful style healing. That sounds like it's tying back to, to what you were mentioning before with the root causes of pain. So yep. with respect to the products that you're, you're putting out, how do you sort of tie in this concept of, of looking at the root causes of pain? So we deal right away with the inflammatory response and we use compounds that are as strong or stronger than standard pharmaceuticals 
And in my study when I was doing uh, pharmacology, a lot of people are taking drugs. Certain drugs inhibit healing. So you can't inhibit healing when you use natural products. You need to use products that quell the inflammation really fast. Yes. Initiate healing instead of suppressing healing. So they need to deal with the spasm as well because spasm goes along with inflammation. And then the damage. So in other words, use compounds that stop catabolism or tissue breakdown. And then you tie them together with compounds that allow you to better manage psychological stress. So in other words, you won't have those habitual tendencies to react really fast. You can have a more relaxed kind of response to things, and that will stop that inflammatory response from getting out of hand, which causes you all the pain, inflammation, degradation, and even aging on the spot. Whenever you stress, you're aging yourself on the spot, just like the drugs that mimic stress which are the corticosteroid classic cortisone prednisone. So when you're talking about these products, is it preventative type stuff or or would you use it if you have an existing condition already that's causing you pain and inflammation? I mean, I use them for both. I use preventatively just a lower dose, just a maintenance kind of thing that's staying in your body so that if you do get injured or something happens or you're in a really stressful event or you're exposed to a lot of people that are sick, your body is primed already to, to act in a more optimal fashion. But then if you have something happen to you, you get injured really badly or you're in a really stressful situation, you kind of got overwhelmed, then obviously taking them right then at a higher dose. So it's just kind of dose dependent. But yes, I, lo- I love your uh, point there is preventative is key, right? Obviously to try to prime the body to a more youthful state is going to get you better activity in your life. Right. And I know that your new formulation with the product includes curcumin. Uh, yes. For those who don't know about curcumin, can you explain you know, what it is and how it works and, and how you're utilizing it? Yes, yeah, so if you study the ancient traditional medicines in Tibet, uh, China, and India, it's been used for thousands of years uh, as turmeric, which is the yellowed kind of compound in curry. And it has in it three, about 3 to 5% curcumin, it's called. Yes. But now we've been developing over the last few decades technologies to extract or concentrate the curcumin from 3 to 5% up to 95 to 97%, and that's the more powerful anti-inflammatory response. Uh, however, curcumin, what's been developing over the last decade is curcumin itself is just a general term for three different curcuminoids, and primarily Curcumin 1 and 2 are really high, but they don't have as powerful as an anti-inflammatory effect. Curcumin 3 in that mix is about uh, anywhere from 0.2 to maximum 3%. And so now they've developed technologies to actually increase the level of curcumin up to 30 to 50 to 100%. And so the curcumin 3 itself has anti-inflammatory action that is over 10 times as strong as ibuprofen and aspirin in certain circumstances. So this is, a lot of technology is developed into enhancing the way of compounds that have been used for thousands of years. So it's really exciting right now, especially with curcumin. Are there any contraindications to curcumin? Can everybody take it? Yeah, everybody seems to be able to take curcumin. I mean, nobody ever knows if they have a certain intolerance or allergy to curcumin. That doesn't seem to be that big of a deal. Other than that, it seems safe to integrate. And just like they have been doing in India and China and Tibet for a long time, you're, they're eating curries not all the time with yes. all the different drugs they're taking just as the same as we are. Right. So what are some of the things that you're seeing in the industry with respect to pain and inflammation care that, that our listeners should know about? I think that I feel like we've been pioneering in this industry for a long time as far as inflammation. And I think other companies have seen that. I think now that it's kind of getting to the next state, 
that we need to deal with what precedes the inflammation. I mean, every time we need to go deeper and deeper and deeper into these conditions. And that is where I think antioxidants and anti-catabolic compounds are coming back because they actually help to stabilize tissue and stop damage. So basically, uh, young people do that quite well. As we get older, our cells are less and less stable. They tend to have uh, a zone of trauma or a larger area that's injured, and there's that domino effect. We need to stop the domino effect of one cell damaging the next cell and so on and so on and so on. So I think that's where we're going is, is getting more focused on compounds to stop damage, and then also, I think, focusing on where we accelerate uh, the damage, which is stress or stress itself causing us a lot of inflammation in our body because our body's breaking itself down for a fight or flight response that's never really happening. We're just upset with an, an update on our iPhone or we're upset because we don't like a certain color combination of someone use things like that or people challenging our opinions or judging ourselves. These kind of things are causing stress and those inhibit your immune system, they inhibit healing and if there's damage occurring, it's actually getting larger and it's more difficult to control. So trying to get a more youthful function by going deeper than inflammation, again, which is the damage and the uh, infiltration and also the, the stress, whether it be physical or, or psychological stress. You know, it sounds to me like what you're talking about is a holistic approach, which ties in your diet, your sleep, your exercise, uh, your frame of mind, all of it sort of impacts your health in an interconnected way. Absolutely, and this is the, I think we're going back to the traditional forms of medicine, which they already did that. Like for instance, in China, the doctor didn't get paid unless you were healthy. So uh -huh. if they weren't getting paid. Don't so, tell our government. They'll rejig the way they pay the doctors here, and nobody will practice. I think we're just trying to get back, though, to that, the idea that everything's intertwined, but also that people are living a frenetic kind of lifestyle. It's crazy, all the things that are happening all the time. So we have to be able to integrate things that are quite easy to integrate, and that's where supplementation can be a much more easy thing to integrate than all these lifestyle changes. But when you feel better, you tend to do things that are more healthy. I think that's the, that's the goal of Purica is we're going to give assisting agents that help you feel better really quickly, psychologically and physically, and then you'll tend to pick and choose things that are healthier. And then it's, it's just basically uh, a chain reaction. Yeah. I, you know, my experience is, you know, I came to health and wellness sort of not from a health and wellness perspective, but from a publishing perspective. Okay. And, and my thought was, you know, people make life decisions to change the way that they live. And typically it's through diet and, and uh, exercise first. And then at some point along their journey, they start integrating supplements to help them with the goals that they're trying to achieve. And it sounds to me like your, your, you know, your philosophy in terms of how supplementation fits into lifestyles is, is, is what I think the way people actually approach it. Absolutely. And the, I think the quicker that some people can institute some of these really powerful supplements the better results they're going to have on changing their diet, their exercise, all the different things they want to change. I think just people need a little bit of a boost sometimes, or maybe a lot of the time. Yeah. And we're trying to provide that Purica is giving that boost where you feel good quickly, and, and it basically inspires you to do the right thing for yourself. Okay, so one of the things that I, I know you're looking at when you're formulating your, your supplements is the connection between stress and inflammation, which I think we touched on a little bit here. Are there particular aspects of your product that are uh, products that are directed to that? I think there's the, the two products, the one that we're just launching, uh, the Recovery 3.0, which is an update of some, a product we've had for 20 years. 
it is addressing all the different facets of a degenerative inflammatory condition, which is, like I said, the inflammation, the spasm, the actual damage and disruption, and helps you better deal with stress. And then you can see it in the NPN, the natural product number we got, which is like a drug identification number, is all the mechanisms of action. There are so many, I've never seen a product get so many through the government of Health Canada, but it, it addresses all the different reasons why a condition gets out of control, why you have to deal with a chronic condition. So that's one, and then we have another one, Complete 360, which is about really focusing on trying to get your mind more relaxed and clear, so you just feel better all around. And like I said, that is the parasympathetic state, and Complete 360 is helping someone get into that state, which is ideal for healing, but you also feel a heck of a lot better. You don't feel so tired, so irritable, so distracted, you sleep better, things like that. And then that's when you typically, like I said, make better choices. You don't eat all the things that are comfort foods that make you feel bad about yourself after. You know, it's all subjective. But you're doing things because you start to feel better. You feel like you're younger. You feel like you're alive again. And that's what the key. I think those two products are, are really good examples. Recovery and dealing with the pain really effectively. You can integrate with drugs or not. And then also helping you deal with stress and then really targeting stress, the Complete 360. So that's, I think these two products... Are, they stand to say what Purica is really trying to do for people is to really help you feel good again, not just a little bit of pain relief, but actually feel better in mind and body. Fantastic. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you very much. We've got to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss foods that help you sleep on The Tonic. human they're dedicated to getting you to live a hundred times your potential now they provide access to the most advanced medical technologies available in the world right here in the gta dna testing hormones neurobiofeedback regenerative treatments are just some of the specialized services available to you that previously were only available to the rich and famous visit them now at peakhuman.ca and book your free consultation hi this is jamie busson I'm not only the host of the Tonic Talk Show, I'm also the publisher of Tonic Magazine. Tonic is a health and wellness magazine distributed with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in the most affluent neighborhoods in Toronto. It's also available free on racks at over 150 locations across the GTA. For more information about Tonic Magazine, visit tonictoronto.com. Hey, if you like the Tonic Talk Show, you'll love Tonic Magazine, and vice versa. The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their Liquid Greens Chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. Liquid Greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained, natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with a great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try activated charcoal and mint. Enjoy the energy, enjoy the detox, enjoy the great taste. Purely natural, liquid greens. You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio. Welcome back. Shauna Lindzen is a registered dietitian with over 25 years of nutrition experience. She worked as a clinical dietitian at Sunnybrook Health Science Center in nephrology and neurosurgery for 12 years. Since leaving the clinical setting, she's been working in the community as a consulting dietitian. 
She's a program developer and a nutrition leader at Wellspring Cancer Support Network and enjoys seeing clients virtually and doing corporate wellness lectures. Most recently, she's developed cooking demonstrations that combine scientific knowledge with culinary education for her clientele. Her demonstrations are unique, informative, delicious, and a lot of fun. You can find a list of her nutrition classes and recipes at shaunalinzen.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me back, Jamie. So I don't do this anymore, but when I say anymore, I mean for the past three weeks. But sometimes <laughs> when I want to stay up late, I will eat so that I do not fall asleep on the couch. But you're here today to discuss the exact opposite, and that's foods that actually help you get to sleep, right? Yes. And interestingly enough, there are studies that show that if you eat certain foods, yeah. it will help calm you and get your melatonin going, right. which is the sleep hormone. Right. Is this whole interview going to be about warm milk and turkey? Is that where no. we're going? <laughs> I'm actually, it's interesting. I'm not even going to mention the turkey thing, the no. tryptophan, but did you know that cherries yeah. can be helpful? Have you heard that? But not if you have too many. You can get an upset tummy if you eat too many cherries. You could. You, you could, right? Because right? they're. I love cherries. I love cherries too. But specifically, yeah. sour cherries. So studies have been done on older adults yes. that have insomnia, and they were given tart cherry juice. So specifically, the tartar cherries right. have a substance in them that made their insomnia improve. So there's actually studies out there wow. that say if you drink a little bit of cherry juice or if you have sour cherries, yeah. it will help you fall now, asleep. Now, I don't have problems falling asleep. Sometimes I have problems staying asleep. But there are foods that help you sleep other than cherries, right? Absolutely. So it's interesting. You want to get the serotonin going and then it helps your melatonin. So it's a bit right. of chemistry behind it. So there are certain foods and food combinations that you can eat. So, for instance, things that are higher in B vitamins, folate, calcium, magnesium, and some amino acids. So, you so like leafy greens, right? Leafy greens, exactly. So, for instance, kale, yep. right? I'm not going to say have a huge kale salad before you go to bed, but if you focus on seeds, for instance, so I'm going to give you an example of a good food to eat before you go to bed. Okay. So, let's say a whole grain piece of bread with some peanut butter and some hemp seeds on top. That is loaded with folate, B vitamins, and some calcium. Calcium, and that's your warm milk thing. Right. Calcium actually helps promote tryptophan, yes. which in turn helps promote the melatonin, right? right? Melatonin means, you know how you take melatonin when you go on an airplane? Right. Your body knows that it's, quote unquote, time to sleep. Right. It has to do with your circadian rhythms. Your circadian rhythms, exactly. So if you want to promote sleep, you take melatonin. But to naturally get your melatonin going, you want to eat things that are high in folate. So that example of the toast with the peanut butter, the hemp seed, that's high in folate. Another good snack would be some popcorn with some Parmesan cheese. Okay. You've got your fiber going, you've got your folic acid going again, right. and your B vitamins. When you say these snacks, do you mean like an hour before you want to go to sleep? Two hours? Like when's the time to maximize this? The main time to maximize it would be, I agree, not right before you go to sleep right. because of the upset tummy thing. Right. We have to balance the upset tummy thing with the hormone thing. Right. So what I would normally say, and I don't like to give rules, but I do like to give guidelines. Okay. So um, There's a subtle I, distinction there, but go ahead. There yeah. is, there is. It's, it's difficult because when we say rules, people 
have to like put their time, you know, their stopwatch on and right. and think, oh, it's time, it's ten o'clock. I'm going to sleep at eleven. I better eat. So it's all up to the individual. What I would suggest is don't eat anything really heavy yeah. as a stimulant, at least probably an hour before you go to bed, because you want that digestion to happen. Right. Have you ever had where you eat like this huge meal, you go to sleep and you've got, you have the weirdest dreams? All the time. So I think that that is significant and that's a part of something that we shouldn't do is eat heavy meals and other stimulants. And you probably know what I'm going to say with other stimulants. You're talking about alcohol. And? I don't know what. Caffeine. Okay. So alcohol and caffeine are the two main stimulants that absolutely will interfere with your sleep. I find with alcohol, what happens, and this might be too much information, is I can get to sleep with alcohol, but I end up getting overheated in the middle of the night, and then I'll have to go to the the bathroom perhaps earlier than I would normally have to. So it interrupts my sleep. It's not a fitful sleep if if I've had anything to drink. Exactly, for two reasons. The first reason is the stimulant factor and your liver's, you're trying to degrade the alcohol. The second thing is it's liquid right and the third thing is if you have to get up in the middle of the night go to the washroom that's increasing the risk for dehydration in the morning right so i know this sounds annoying but with alcohol you should be drinking the water of course right? well that's to, more that's to avoid the hangover right <laughs> but you're gonna pee more right, right. i know <laughs> but so um, basically if you want to get a good night's sleep don't drink alcohol yeah don't drink anything right before you go to sleep. Right. Have it an hour so you can have like a good bathroom break before you go to sleep. Right. I don't drink a lot of coffee. I have like one a day and it's usually in the morning. So I, I don't really, I'm not really impacted by caffeine, but I know people really are. That's genetic. There's actually genetic testing that you can do that it will let you know if how you degrade and break down caffeine in your body. Right. So it's not, so some people aren't good caffeine breaker downers. Right. <laughs> I took the genetic test. I'm not. Right. I don't drink coffee for a reason. And it's actually not. It actually, if you don't break down caffeine well, it can increase your risk for stroke. Okay. Yeah. So it's actually good to know. All right. What other food should we uh, avoid if we want a good night's sleep? I, I find with, for me personally, it's, it's anything like that's heavy or greasy or oily. You know, yeah, you it, hit it on the nail. So I would say the top three are alcohol, caffeine, heavy foods. Right. There are other things you can, behaviors you can do to get that melatonin going. And for instance, having a routine or schedule, like right. going to sleep at around the same time every night, sleep in complete darkest, like blackouts. You can even put those things on your eyes to cover your eyes yep. and do a relaxing bed night routine, like a warm bath. So it's all about the soothing aspect, the meditation aspect, the relaxing aspect. We all know that, but we Sometimes don't put that into effect. Well, it's hard to find the time to do it. You know, I I find that my early evenings are creeping into my late nights. You know, Mm -hmm. like we made more of an effort to eat earlier when our kids were younger. But now that I wouldn't say we're empty nesters, but, you know, they they drift in and out. We don't have as many regular family dinners collectively as a family, which means my wife and I might eat at eight o'clock instead of six or seven, which means we don't sort of unwind until later in the evening. But then that's your new routine and that's okay. It's okay to have your new routine, right? right? So you're at a stage in your life where if you have the new routine of eating later, like eight or nine, why don't you set a new routine for 10 or 11, maybe having like a warm cup of tea or the warm bath or doing meditation. As our lives change, we should change with our lives, like our lifestyles. Yeah, there's no right or wrong. 
There is no right or wrong. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we talked about the foods that help us sort of right before bed, but are there foods that we can eat throughout the day that, you know, might help us come later in the day? Absolutely. So some of those foods will include things like lentils, chickpeas, kidney beans. These are all high in the B vitamins, which are supportive. And things like bananas. Why bananas? Bananas have magnesium. I was going to say magnesium. Magnesium. And I don't know if you've ever had restless leg syndrome where you're... There's like a twitch. There's like a twitch. I don't have it. Naomi gets it from time to time. So magnesium is actually really beneficial for that. Yeah, she takes magnesium for that. Yeah. And different fruits and vegetables will have magnesium, specifically, as I mentioned, bananas. And that's good for muscle relaxation. And also then rich cereal. And I know lots of people, including teenagers, like to have some cereal with milk before they go to bed. So that's giving you the tryptophan. It's giving you the calcium. It's giving you the fiber, the magnesium, everything. So the bottom line is eat some healthy whole grain foods. Right, we're talking right. like a whole grain cereal that has um, enriched with B vitamins and milk on top, which is high in calcium. And maybe some banana sliced in. Oh, Jamie, perfection! Or banana on the peanut butter, whole grain bread with some hemp seeds. And we'll, you'll you'll be sleeping. You'll fall over while you're at the table eating. I'm getting tired just thinking of it. Okay. Well, thank you for coming on the show today. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have. Thanks for having me. You're going to be back next month, and we're going to discuss the ins and outs of sugar control. Right? Absolutely. Fantastic. We've got to take a short break, but we'll be right back on The Tonic. Introducing the all-new Ketoplex line of intelligent ketogenic solutions, including MCT-8X by NuvoCare Health Sciences. Not only will it effectively transition your body into ketosis, the body's fat-burning state, it will also be your secret weapon to beat those uncomfortable side effects known as keto flu. Try the Ketoplex line of products with Nutrisentials Zen Energy to maximize your keto transformation. For more information as to where to get the Ketoplex line of products, including Whole Foods, please visit nuvocare.ca. That's N-U-V-O-C-A-R-E.ca. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals, all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Formulations are created on their 40,000-square-foot facility located in Toronto. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Dr. Emily Lipinski graduated from the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine in Toronto and is a member of the Ontario Association of Naturopathic Doctors. While in the academic world, Emily became fascinated with the potential applications of naturopathic medicine in health and wellness. She strongly believes in addressing the root cause of medical issues and using natural therapies either alone or in conjunction with conventional Western medicine. Welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Good. So, you know... I get pitched with story ideas all the time, and I've been publishing the magazine for a long time now, and every now and then, somebody will throw an article at me about the dangers of fluoride and how we should be removing fluoride from our water. And I have to tell you, when I get these articles, I, am, I, I put on my skeptic's hat, 
and I get my back up because it just it seems incorrect to me that fluoride should not be in our water. But maybe today we should explore this issue and you can edify me as to, you know, what is the science behind the concerns about fluoride? And maybe we can draw some conclusions. What do you think? Absolutely. So let's start at the beginning. What is fluoride? Fluoride is a mineral that is naturally occurring in our earth that has been traditionally added to toothpaste and water because it's shown to be very beneficial for preventing cavities in the mouth. Okay. So... Do we get fluoride in our diet? Like, is this something that humans intake? Naturally, you know, as as I mentioned, fluoride is this naturally occurring element or mineral that's found in our food and naturally occurs in water, but it really depends where in the world you live. Some people are naturally going to be exposed to a little bit more fluoride because there's more fluoride naturally occurring in the area where they live, and some people will be exposed to much less. In our food and naturally in water without fluoridation, we don't get exposed to tons of it typically. Okay, so just to edify and clarify, you're saying there's certain parts of the world, like you know, so there's certain parts of the world where you're going to find gold or you're going to find oil or diamonds. So is it the same sort of thing with fluoride? There's just exactly. certain, certain seams of fluoride here and there? Yeah, it's naturally found in the earth and rocks. So it's you know, it, it can be in the soil depending on where you live in the world. Right, okay, so if you're growing a crop in an area where there is fluoride in the earth, then I presume the mineral is taken up into some of these plants where there's osmosis. Is that sort of how it works? Right. And naturally in yams, eggs, uh, milk, some red meat, some fish contain a little bit of fluoride naturally. Okay. So you mentioned that fluoride is important for dental health. Other than that, what are the benefits and and how how does fluoride help us with our teeth? The main reason fluoride is so helpful, it actually helps to remineralize the tooth enamel, so okay. the, the kind of surface area around the tooth that's nice and that should be nice and hard, and that helps prevent tooth decay from certain microbes that exist in the mouth. It also helps reduce how much um, minerals are lost from the enamel, and it reduces the amount of harmful bacteria found in the mouth that promotes caries. So it carries meaning cavities. So it reduces cavities in many different ways. Does it impact other, like teeth are essentially, they're like bones. Is fluoride important for bone health in general? It is the main area that I know where, you know, health agencies and the government are looking is for the primary benefit seems to be oral health. Okay. And I know there's some jurisdictions where they don't have fluoride. They don't add fluoride to the water, right? I think Great Britain is one where they don't. Am I right about that? Yeah. More areas in the world and in North America are actually removing fluoride from the water. Okay. North America used to be very fluoridated in the water, and now more areas are removing it. Right. I know there were pushes in some municipalities to, to take fluoride out of the water. So why don't we just get to it? Why would somebody choose to take fluoride out of the water? Like, what's the issue? The main issue is that we know the World Health Organization, which is, you know, a huge governing body that makes mandates for health issues. So the World Health Organization has said that individuals, adults should be having about 1.5 parts per million of fluoride a day. Okay. And in Toronto and in a lot of other areas, one liter of water contains about 0.5 to 0.6 parts per million. Okay. So that means that if someone... You're going to make me do math today, is that it? 
That's right. So if, if someone like myself, I drink a lot of water. Okay. So let's say I drink four liters of water a day. Okay. I'm actually getting more fluoride than I should be. Okay. So why is that bad? Why do we care? So over fluoridation, long term, and the World Health Organization has also said that if individuals are getting more than 1.5 parts per million long term, there can be side effects primarily regarding if low thyroid function. So the thyroid needs iodine to properly function, yep. and fluoride is known as something called a direct competitor for thyroid tissue for the iodine. So what happens is the thyroid should naturally uptake iodine from the body, which helps make thyroid hormones. But when there's too much fluoride in the body, the fluoride kind of battles it out with the iodine, and the iodine can't properly be absorbed from the thyroid gland. So as a result, if you're not getting enough uh, iodine being absorbed by the thyroid, what happens? Hypothyroid. So you, you develop a low-functioning thyroid gland, at, which is known as hypothyroidism, and a lot of people need to take medication for that. Well, so, how, how does that manifest? Like, what sort of effects would occur if you, if, if you had that? Weight condition? gain, fatigue, inability uh, to cold, so always feeling cold, cold hands, cold feet, foggy thinking, dry hair, skin, and nails, and constipation are the main signs and symptoms of hypothyroidism. Okay. So is this universal or is it just some people are more susceptible to a lack of iodine absorption as a result of the fluoride? So iodine deficiency used to be a huge problem in North America. And so this is the other issue is that in, in North America, we, especially around the Great Lakes, that used to be known as the goiter belt. Yeah. So individuals didn't have enough iodine, their thyroid would swell and have this huge swelling in their neck known as a goiter. Yep. Because of that, the government started adding iodine to our food, just like governments started adding fluoride to our water, started having iodine into our food, especially in salt. What's happened now, though, is the type of iodine added to our salt is not ideally absorbed from by the thyroid gland. And the other thing is that individuals are starting to have less and less salt in their diet, especially because of high blood pressure. They're, they're told to not have as much salt. Or they're not using iodized salt. They're perhaps using right. sea salt or kosher That's salt, right. which isn't iodized. That's right. So now we have an issue where actually we're having a huge explosion of hypothyroidism in our general population. There's a lot of factors which can contribute to hypothyroidism, but one can be a lack of iodine in the diet. Uh, so whether fluoride is a huge part of this or not, we don't know. The other issue with fluoride is if children get too much fluoride, their, their IQ can be reduced. And again, that's... so. The big issue with fluoride in the water, which I think is, you know, we put calcium into our milk and there's guidelines on how much calcium children and adults should have. And when you go to your doctor or GP and someone is, you know, there are people that choose not to have dairy in their diet. But if you do have dairy, they say, okay, you know, a child should have X amount of glasses of milk a day. Right. Because if you're having five or six glasses of milk, that might just be too much calcium. And likewise with fluoride in the water, you know, I, I don't necessarily think fluoride is a bad thing. We know that in areas such as Windsor, Ontario, has been an uh, area where we've done some research because they have taken out fluoride in the water. And since they took out fluoride in the water, the amount of dental cavities has skyrocketed, especially in the kids. 
Right. So we know it really helps cavities. And if someone has a whole bunch of cavities in their mouth, medicine has always said the mouth is, you know, the gateway to the body. If you have right. a whole bunch of cavities in the mouth, you're having a whole bunch of bacteria growing in there. Yep. It can cause a whole bunch of other issues, such as the immune system and potential autoimmune right. disease, et cetera, et cetera. So to have a healthy oral oral area is huge. But we really need to get tighter on how much glasses of water should a child have? How much glasses of water should an adult have of fluoride? And if someone like myself who likes to drink four liters of water a day, well, after about two and a half or three liters of water, I should switch to a source of water that's not fluoridated. Right. And I was going to say, you know, when we talk about, you know, the, the you know, the used to be what, six glasses of water a day or however many cups of water yeah. per day, which is what I think you're alluding to. You know, a lot of people get that water intake from eating fruits and vegetables, right? Like the water, when they say you should have X amount of water per day, that it encompasses not only the glasses of water that you have, but it's all the liquids that you intake, coffee, tea, uh, even cola to some extent should be calculated in there. So it's, it's kind of hard. If It's hard to calculate how much water you're actually bringing into your body, isn't it? Right. And a lot of people do drink coffee and tea with, you know, with tap water. I right. Know, so they fill up their coffee maker with tap water. So maybe they think, oh, I've only had three glasses of water a day, but then they've had two cups of coffee. Right. So then, exactly. Yeah. So that's where I think that, you know, we need to get a little bit more laser focused on really creating some good guidelines and having it as general knowledge of how much fluoride is necessary. Where And the research also shows that benefits of fluoride are most important in kids, right. especially when their, their adult teeth are coming in. And the best way to help the teeth, the tooth enamel with fluoride is actually brushing the teeth with fluoride. So when you go to the dentist and you have your hygiene appointment and they put the, um, you know, at the end of the hygiene appointment. Yeah, they, they, put, of, they put the goop around your exactly, teeth. Exactly, and yeah. they buffer your teeth. And, and that's a high level of fluoride. That's some of the best ways that fluoride actually offers a protective effect. We know that drinking fluoride has some benefit, but, the, you know, the huge benefit is the brushing the teeth with fluoride. So that's where, you know, that's the big debate is, One, fluoride in water does have some benefit, especially for people when they looked at Windsor, the individuals that were having a real problem with their oral hygiene were individuals that didn't have access to good dentist or oral care or or they couldn't afford it. So for individuals that don't regularly see a dentist and don't have a, you know, good oral hygiene, then the fluoride in the water is going to be even more important. Individuals that brush their teeth with fluoride every night, that see a dentist on the regular basis and that drink some tap water, over time, especially someone like me that has a whole bunch of tap water every day, might have an overexposure to fluoride. All right. So I think we can say in conclusion that there are pros and cons to fluoride, but I guess knowledge is king. And if you understand that you need a certain amount of fluoride and you figure out how to get it, um, maybe we can deal without it in our water. Maybe. 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 Especially if you have good or- The key is, you know, making sure you visit your dentist on a regular basis, that you, ha- you brush your teeth, especially with kids. And once kids get their adult teeth and even the baby teeth, but making sure you have a good oral hygiene routine is really important. Well, that makes good sense. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. We'll hear back from Dr. Lipinski again, but we've got to take a short break. We'll be right back on The Tonic. Big Carrot is a worker-owned natural food market that's been committed to local, organic, non-GMO, and sustainable food systems since 1983. 
They're a one-stop shop offering produce, grocery, bulk, body care, and holistic dispensary. The juice and smoothie bars and kitchens serve up hundreds of healthy dishes and drinks daily. Building community is at the core of their vision, which they deliver through education, outreach, and giving. They want everyone to share in the goodness they offer. Visit their website for more information at thebigcarrot.ca. The Zoomer Show, Canada's largest expo for living well, is back at the Entercare Centre in Toronto on October 26th and 27th. There's hundreds of exhibitors and the latest trends in health, fitness, food, travel, and live music. Plus, there's an expert panel on medical cannabis hosted by me, Jamie Busson, and a special appearance by hockey legend Wendell Clark. The Zoomer Show, presented by Chip Reverse Mortgage. You can visit zoomershow.ca and enter promo code TONIC to get tickets for only $10. That's zoomershow.ca, promo code T-O-N-I-C. The Zoomer Show. Live longer, live better. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. My next guest, Liz Doyle Harmer, is a co-owner of Afterglow Studio, a yoga and mindfulness teacher and a life coach. She believes yoga is an ancient practice ideally suited towards managing the stresses of our modern world. Outside of work, you can find her with her four kids and hubby or in her happy place running along the Lake Ontario boardwalk in the beach neighborhood of Toronto. Welcome to the show, Liz. How are you? Hi, Jamie. Thanks for having me. I'm great. So I know that at your studio, you have a lot of athletes who take classes there and, and you you guys have participated in the OMTO events for years. Mm-hmm. Why would an athlete benefit from taking a yoga class? Yeah, so we have a lot of um, athletes. Our studio is in the beach. I live in the beach. We have a lot of athletes there. They run, they bike along the boardwalk. And I think um, first and foremost, athletes are regular people. And so like regular people, we're actually sitting quite a bit. (laughs) And so, you know, because of that, our bodies are immobile. Our bodies are getting tight. We're collapsing our spine. We're rounding our shoulders, rounding our back. Yeah, you're looking at me when you say that, right? Because I have the world's worst (laughs) posture. And I'm actually, I find myself sitting up straighter as I say that too. Because they're looking at me. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) But so athletes are like the rest of us. They're people who are sitting a lot. And so one of the things we want to do before we start thinking about any kind of athletic performance is we want to bring our body back to neutral. So we want to counteract the effects of sitting. So that, first and foremost, is, I think, what a lot of athletes need to do, because if they don't, then we're taking our rounded body out with us when we go out into our sport, and that can increase our risk for injury. Right. So, so who do you, who's coming to your studio? What kind of Other than runners? Yes. I know you have a lot of runners, but yeah. who, who else is coming? So we have cyclists. Yep. Um, we have one cyclist, um, a woman who's super inspiring. She's actually the provincial champion. Oh, wow. Um, we have a walker who... Um, like a speed walker? Yeah. So she's actually... So it's interesting. She taught me about the difference. There's walking, so you just walk normally, but you walk fast. And well, then, everybody does that. Yes. So, but she comes in first in her age category when she does marathons. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Okay. So she's super inspiring. We have CrossFitters who come, you know, so they're pushing tires. They're yeah. like, they're doing chin-ups, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they're tight, but they're strong. And so they want some stretch and some flexibility. Okay. So are there special classes for those who are more athletic or routines that people are doing? Yeah. So I think athletes, there's basically two ways they can go. Okay. So they can go the the yang route and so the more uplifting, challenging route or they can go the yin route. And so if they want to go the yang route, this is for the athlete who is just, they want to be an athlete all the time. They want to challenge themselves right. all the time. So they're looking for a challenge no matter what they're doing. And so for them, they might be drawn towards a vinyasa class or a power flow class right. or a higher level class where you're doing lots of chaturangas, lots of arm balances potentially, inversions. So they're looking for a challenge. Competitive yoga. 
yoga. Competitive yoga. Often. Right, which is a thing. I've I've talked to your partner yes. about this. It's yeah. time for competitive yoga. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, I was drawn to yoga. I just wanted to headstand. It looked so cool to yeah. me. I was like, I just want to headstand. That looks like an awesome party trick. I you cannot know? do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm vertically challenged. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. But so I could beat you at that. So <laughs> there you go. And, and and for the athletes, I guess the other athletes are looking for more of a wind down, right? More yes. of, more of a stretch. Yeah. More of a re- rehabilitative approach to yoga. Exactly. So if you don't want to go the Yang route, you know, there are some athletes who are like, okay, I give everything that I've got in my primary sport and I just want to use yoga to relax and calm and soothe myself. And so for them, they might take a yin class, which is, um, you know, basically you're, you're seated generally, they are longer holds, you're getting into deep fascial muscular tissue, trying to release the muscles, release the yep. fascia, or you could take a restorative class where you're actually fully supported on the ground with blankets and props and belts and blocks and yep. just passive stretching. Passive stretching sounds mm-hmm. good to me. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's talk about some of the benefits for athletes or, or really everybody in taking yoga. And, and I think one of the, you know, it, candidly, I used to take more yoga than I do now. But mm-hmm. one of the things I always found was interesting is that it's really good for your core, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Core is, you know, I think, I think one thing that yoga does really well is support the muscles around the spine which is where, you know, our central nervous system is. And so core is one of those, you know, our core helps protect and support our spine. Hip stabilizer muscles is another one. I think yoga, as I was mentioning earlier, it helps counteract the effects of sitting. And so it really can help contract the back slightly, round our shoulders back, lengthen our spine. A more graceful me, right? (laughs) Yes. If that were possible. A more graceful (laughs) and elongated you, yes. Okay. And one of the other things I noted when I was taking yoga is, you know, there's a lot of balance work, right? Yes. And we're not just talking about like doing headstands, Uh even just sort of balancing on one leg or or leaning or, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, that's another thing that yoga helps us with is that idea of proprioception and, you know, learning how to balance our body and space. And so a good test to do is to try and stand on one leg. And can you do that for 15 seconds? Yeah. And if you're having a hard time doing that, then balance might be something you need to work on. Well, it's harder than it looks. And what happens is you do those little foot wiggles, right? Where 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 your, your body's trying to find find that sweet spot where you're not thrown off and and leaning one way or the other. And you can sort of, in your mind's eye, you can sort of feel the different pressure points, whether it's in your heel or your toes, as you try and maintain the balance. Yeah, absolutely. All those little shifts are strengthening our feet, right? Right. Like that's one of the benefits actually is just getting barefoot and then letting the muscles in our feet start to do the work rather than the support of our shoes. Right. And so that's the physical but there are other sort of benefits to taking yoga if, if you're athletic, right? Yes, absolutely. You know, so one of them is that we start to just start to sense inside ourselves. And so there's this this skill we can use called interoception where we start to just sense inside ourselves. And so we're using, ideally, hopefully you're using your yoga practice as a way to just check in with yourself and, hey, how am I today? How am I showing up? And eventually that can become a practice. And so just checking in with yourself. Am I tired? Am I depleted? You know, am I hungry? Am I thirsty? Just things like that. And then starting to take steps as an athlete to better support yourself. So I guess it sort of supports a little bit of introspection, right? Yes. It isn't just the punishment that you put your no. body through when you're working out, which is sometimes the way I approach some of my classes. Yes. It's the ability to sort of take a step back and say, okay, how's this making me feel? Exactly. And what do I need to do if I continue to want to take CrossFit classes or HIIT classes? Yeah. You know, what is it I'm going to have to do, right? Yes, exactly. Particularly as we get older, right? Absolutely. Or at least as I get older. Yeah, well, I'm getting older too. No, yeah, you're not. I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we can sustain and support our athletic practice. I know for me, I I want to run until I'm 80. And yeah. so I really think about what are the things I can do? How can yoga support me so that I can run until I'm 80? Yeah. 
that's one element of the sort of mental aspect. But but then if we delve a little deeper, there's sort of a mindfulness element too, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So bringing that attention to our breath, and then when that um, attention wanders, which it will, bringing yeah. it back again. So learning to train our attention over time is really an important aspect, and that helps with focus, for yes. one. It helps with stress, stress reduction. It helps with emotional regulation. I think another key piece that yoga does, it's kind of a blend of both the physical and the mental, but yoga helps free up our breathing muscles, And so a lot of times because of sitting or because of our primary sport, uh, the muscles that support breathing become tight and constricted. Hmm. And so we're getting less than an optimal breath. Our breath might be short, might be shallow. And so yoga, one of the things it does is, first of all, we're lengthening our spine, we're stretching our side body, we're even stretching our our neck. We're getting into the the primary breathing muscle, which is the diaphragm, as well as the supportive breathing muscles. And what that does is allows us to take a deeper breath fuller breath. And so that will help us with performance. I mean, guaranteed for sure, the best athlete is the one who's getting a deep, full breath. And then also helps with our mental state. If you're taking deep, full breaths, you're going to be calmer and more focused. Right. And we just witnessed, you know, our first uh, Grand Slam champion Mm -hmm. in Canada. Amazing. And everybody was really commenting on her ability to keep focus. Yes. uh, And the mental toughness that's required if you're competing, right? Absolutely. And I think she said mindfulness has played a a big key role for her. Yeah. So yoga can also help with recovery. Too, right? Yes. Even if we do all these things, the correct yeah. breath work and the mindfulness and everything, we're still putting wear and tear on the body. So uh, I think you mentioned before yin yoga is helpful for that. Yeah. I'm always shocked. At, uh, you know, so I'm one of those athletes that wants, one of those practitioners that wants to challenge all the time. I yeah. tend to go to the, the power classes. Yeah. And I'm always surprised at how if I am tired and I take a class that's more restorative, like Restore or like Yin, how I'll come out with more energy afterwards. Yeah. You know? So just allowing yourself to relax. To uh, I've been to fall asleep and <laughs> yes, I mean, yeah so that'll do the trick too. shavasana yes. you know like it, it happens right yes. like with the bolsters and blankets yes. you know you, you could be at home in bed right absolutely yeah especially if you're doing those night classes for sure so are there any sort of hidden benefits to yoga that we might not even be thinking about that you would be aware of in your practice yeah i mean i think one of the things that yoga i mean yoga's done a lot for me but one of the things that really sticks out is just developing awareness of my own body you know and so one of the poses that we do or that you'll find in any yoga class is Samastitihi or Tadasana, where you're standing at the top of your mat. And the way I like to teach that pose is I like to have people just stand the way you would normally stand. And just notice, how does your hip jut out to the side? How does your shoulder, how does one shoulder roll forward? Just notice how your body stands. And then ideally, shift into samastitihi or equal standing so that your body is in alignment. And just so just know those things about yourself. Hey, you know, I, I stick my hip out there or I, I round my shoulder there. And because that's information for you, for you to take out into your activity, out into your day-to-day so that you can increase your performance as an athlete. Well, that's fantastic advice. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks, Jamie. It's a pleasure. Thank you for listening to The Tonic. You can listen or download this episode as a podcast with full show notes and links at thetonic.ca. To find out more about the show, you can follow us on The Tonic Talk Show on Instagram or Facebook. For great articles by or about Dr. Emily Lipinski, Liz Doyle-Harmer, and other interesting writers, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. Tonic's available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighborhoods in the city. Or you can visit us at our website at tonictoronto.com. If you're interested in providing feedback or coming on the show, you can email me at jamie at tonictoronto.com. Please join us next week on The Tonic when we'll discuss why your workout might be all wrong, fall food swaps for more energy, 
kitchen essentials, and other health and wellness topics. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. Please consult a healthcare professional before starting any diet, exercise, supplementation, or medication program. This has been a paid announcement. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.